This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Look, we all know from experience, compliance sucks. But what if I told you that there is a better way? Our good friends at Bycheck developed the first ever managed service for SOC 2. Leverage the innovative Bycheck platform and a combined experience of over 30 years from the Bycheck team to complete your SOC 2 examination faster without the headache. The Bycheck team works as an extension of your team to prepare evidence, draft SOC 2 report sections, and provide all the necessary artifacts to your team to then provide to auditors. Reach out to the Bycheck team by dropping down into the show notes and visiting bycheck.com. Welcome back to the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast. In this episode, we have a brother, a friend, and fellow Mastermind member, Ashish Rajan, in the studio with us. He is a cloud security leader, investor, podcaster, and fashion expert. If that isn't a Renaissance man, I don't know what is. And in this episode, we talk about his journey in cyber and also the interesting fringes of his life. Without further ado, let's jump right in. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And this episode is way overdue. We have family in the house. We have a mastermind member in the house. We have the cloud security podcast producer and host in the house. Today, we have an episode with Ashish Rajan. It is a pleasure to speak to you each and every time we speak. But most importantly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. With that kind of introduction, I felt I should have done whoop, whoop, whoop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm happy with this. That was a great intro, man. Thanks so much for having me. Ashish, this has been a long time coming. I feel like we've known each other for years at this point, but for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. Yeah, sounds good. So for folks who don't know me, my name is Ashish. I am based out of Melbourne, Australia. I feel like I should never mention how many years I've spent in cybersecurity, but to give you guys a hint, the way I got into cybersecurity or what got me interested was my Yahoo account got hacked. For people who remember when Yahoo was a thing and people used to type in ASL on <laughs> chat messages, that's how mm-hmm. old I am. <laughs> it feels like I, as I've given that out, like a lot of people are like, oh my God, he's that old. He doesn't look that old, but <laughs> I'll, I'll let you guys decide my age. But that's when I started and I primarily did the pen testing work initially, did realize that wasn't for me. Switched over to the defense side, identity access management. And did a lot of work in cybersecurity. But then as I was in it, I kind of realized I had these other things that I enjoyed more as well, like men's fashion, which I did not know at all that I had interest in. Growing up, my dad had a a clothing store. And I would just be like, oh my God, I hate this. Why would he have this? It's not so cool. (laughs) Personally, it used to be the kind of clothes he would bring in because they were more for kids. Because growing up in India, I was looking at clothes that, say, the likes of Tupac or Biggie were wearing. I'm like, oh, I want like a baggy jeans. I want that. But, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of shows you my fashion sense uh, back then. And I kind of realized fashion itself doesn't pay. So I had to find a job. That's how I landed (laughs) cybersecurity. 
Nice. I did not know that you got hacked. That kind of echoes my origin story. I was hacked on Yahoo's sister platform, AOL Instant Messenger. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. And I think what we can both relate to is just being tinkerers at heart, you know, going down into these technical rabbit holes, these maybe fashion rabbit holes. It sounds like you've been a tinkerer for quite some time. What, what is your origin story of becoming a tinkerer? That's a good one. I think after my Yahoo account got hacked, I was really embarrassed, man. Eventually, you find out it was one of your friends who did it as well because they just wanted to <laughs> muck around. And by then, it's too late because the embarrassment had set in. So I was like, I'm not, never going to let this happen. So I became that guy who would try and look for every possible hack, whether it's a cheat code for a game or whether it's a cheat code for how do I get someone to type in their password on a HTML file that they download from an email, but it looks like a Facebook login. And mm-hmm. funny enough, that works. So that's <laughs> kind of where, where my tinkering started. But before that, my dad used to hate this about me, but I would just... So he bought, he bought me a motorbike when I was 18. And I ripped it open because I wanted it to be a particular style. My dad's like, this was supposed to be your bike for the next 20 years, because that's what Indian parents do. They buy you something, they expect you to hold on for 20 years. And within the first six months, I did that. So he clearly wasn't happy with it, but I was happy with the way it was looking after I changed a few things about it, which according to him were making us lose the insurance on it. I don't know, who who cares about insurance when you're tinkering with stuff, right? But then later on, it came to bite me in the back later on when we were trying to sell that motorbike when we were leaving for Australia. But anyways, that was in the beginning. And as I kind of moved forward, became a bit younger, started earning money. I fortunately, I got into IoT devices and stuff now. Like, I think I find myself always, what's the right word for it? Every time someone tells me, hey, this is a great way, you should try it. I'll try it because I definitely like trying new things. But then I always ask myself, what else I could do with this? And I think that's always been with me. And yeah, I don't know if this is what you had uh, growing up, Ron, but that's kind of where I've always been that person. If anyone who follows me on LinkedIn, they'll probably know this. I started doing videos walking on the streets of Melbourne. <laughs> I became known as a guy who was like, oh, you're the guy on LinkedIn who walks on the streets and does videos. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, because no one knew me for cybersecurity. They knew me for walking in the street and doing a video. Then I had to change the content so people understand that this is what I get paid for. The other stuff is just for men's fashion. But anyway, that's kind of where it left me confusing. And it's been tinkering because I always find, for me, tinkering equals creativity. And a lot of innovations came in because people were like... They were curious, they were creative, they wanted to see what else is possible. So I prefer myself to be more of a creative rather than a just a tinkerer, I guess. You know, we can't sweep your fashion under the rug. That is the first thing that I saw. I saw one of your videos on LinkedIn, walking down the street, talking to the camera, and I said, who is this guy? Dressed to the nines, I gotta know him. Could you let us know a little bit about what fashion means to you and how does it apply to you in cybersecurity? Because I think if there was a competition of who's best dressed in cyber, I think you'd be a front runner. Thanks so much for this, man. I really appreciate that. I don't know if my dad would like it. He just wants me to be uh, a paid person, not be doing modeling anywhere. Funny enough, the merger of fashion only happened after Instagram kind of came into my life a bit later than some people in their 20s got them. I got in my 30s. And I've always been a person who was dressing well. And my wife decided to take a few pictures of me and put, put it on Instagram. 
lo and behold, I started posting a few pictures, got reached out by a few photographers. And sooner or later, I became like this male model thing. And I didn't realize. So I was creating this other community, which knew about men's fashion, looked at me as this men's fashion person, but didn't know about cybersecurity. And I, to, I'll be honest, right? I was a bit embarrassed to talk about cybersecurity because the moment you say cybersecurity, people start rolling their eyes. And they're like, oh, there's you go, another one, like another nerd out here. And I don't know men's fashion, but fashion in general has a not a great mindset sometimes, so depending on the people you meet. And that was my prejudice. They definitely were not like that when I told them what I do for work. The only prejudice was my age, I guess, because everyone else was in their 20s and I was in their 30s. And they're like, oh my God, this guy is old. And to, to think someone in their 30s is old, it's my like, what? I'm old? But to your point about men's fashion and cybersecurity, I was doing some work for a community called DevSecOps community in Melbourne. And we were talking about this thing where why there's a gap in security, why people don't like to talk to security. And what I realized was a lot of security folks don't talk too much to other people. And I don't know if it's the ADHD, which is popular in the cybersecurity space that people have, or if it's more the fact that we're, we're trying to keep our cards too close to our heart so we don't give out all of it and suddenly lose our job. But I felt dressing different and putting myself out there was one way that people started reaching out to me. And I'll be more specific. I was working for a company as a practice director and they were trying to build a security practice. But as we all know, it's security is everyone's responsibility. But apart from security, no one else wants to talk about it. And the way it worked out for me, because I was dressing up different, and I said I was walking on the streets doing these videos, they all looked at me as if someone, something's different about this guy. I don't know what it is, but there's something different about him. So they started reaching out. So that definitely uh, was the point where I realized this could work together, where I could change the way people look at security. We should clearly love what we wear, what we do, but we don't always have to be a, a sweatshirt or a hoodie and jeans. And because we used to do that to blend in, because most of us came from a sysadmin background, I guess, or some kind of networking background. But nowadays, people from all walks of life are walking into cybersecurity. And I feel if they see someone like me or others who are dressing up and doing videos, and I feel they definitely feel, oh my God, this is a cool field to be in. And it's not just about being a hacker. That was the point when I started taking cybersecurity in men's fashion, seriously started making more, posting more pictures and more content in suits on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, to, to your point, that's kind of what I found, started the merger of the two and has helped me ever since. Like every time I walked into an organization in my nine to five these days, I work as a CISO and people know me, even though it's completely remote, people all know me because of my clothing, the way I put myself out there. I definitely encourage more security people to be putting themselves out there. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to dress up, but you definitely need to put yourself out in the company so people know who the security teams are and not imagine them to be this uh, underground basement kind of people, I guess. And for anyone that hasn't seen a picture of Ashish, he has a great beard also. So <laughs> when I was first growing my beard out, I, I was feeling confident. Then I saw yours. I was like, man, this guy has an awesome beard. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. It's all the beard oil. That's what I tell people. <laughs> exactly. And you know what? This actually makes me think of something that kind of applies to me in my life. One of my superpowers is being a creative solution strategist. But my core emotional challenge, my kryptonite, is not having my value understood. And I could totally relate about 
not being dressed well and then dressing better. It gives me a sense of confidence. I, I feel comfortable on camera. I feel comfortable in meetings. And I think I see that a lot out of other people in cybersecurity. When they start dressing how they want, they kind of step into this new level of power. Was that ever a situation for you to where you felt as though you had your value understood more after you went through this wardrobe change and became more confident with what you were wearing? Actually, I think you hit it on the nail, man. I think it definitely is true. I was going to say, you probably just, just flex and that'll be it, man. You don't have to dress up. <laughs> <laughs> like the amount of gym time you're doing with your, uh, I guess, keto and everything. You just need to flex and that'll be it. But I, I actually agree with you. I never thought about it this way, but it is true. And I, it's you know how people talk about being comfortable on your own skin. Because putting yourself out there obviously also means like, I'm sure you guys go through this as well. There are good audience members and then there are bad audience members and then the mixed crowd who just don't say anything. And I always feel if you are comfortable in your own skin, now whether it's through what you dress or through how, what you put out is what you're comfortable putting out, whatever that medium is that makes you comfortable in your skin, I think that's definitely something that makes you almost feels like it has given you a superpower. And I guess for me, accepting the fact that, hey, I actually like men's fashion. Even though, because I said earlier in the beginning, I used to hate that because my dad had a clothing store and I used to be like, oh my God. Because after school, I would be with him in the shop and we would talk about this. <laughs> it's funny enough, my dad and I talk about this now that he would always think that I never thought you would pick up men's fashion. But he said, oh, as long as you get paid for this, I don't mind. But I can kind of like, I mean, he loves me. He, he cares for the fact that men's fashion doesn't pay much. So he said, as long as you do your actual cybersecurity job, I don't mind you doing the men's fashion thing as well. But it was definitely that men's fashion piece, embracing it. And in a way, allowing myself to be vulnerable by standing out from everyone else. Because everyone else was not dressing up like me. Because I can tell you this, when you dress up in a suit and walk into your office, most people think you're applying for a job. They don't think that you're actually coming in seriously. What does it mean to follow in your dad's footsteps when it comes to fashion? Is that something that kind of unites you two, even though he says as long as you're making money, that that's okay. But is, is that something that you guys talk about often? And what does it mean to you? I mean, I think we should talk about it often initially when I started doing this and started going out there. I started getting brand deals with watches and suits. So uh, most of my suits are sponsored. So I don't really buy most of my suits or my watches. And that was kind of a thing. That's what was the influencer space was. So he was totally fine with it, but he kind of reemphasized it. And I think this is kind of how protective parents are as well. He always wanted me to be independent, but at the same time, he would remind me that this is great, but it's a side hustle. And if you look at the examples out there, unless you are like a designer or unless you're one of those top end fashion models, you're not really earning much, but it looks like your lifestyle demands more. So what do you think is the right decision? So I'm like, yeah, I definitely want a decent paying job so I can buy suits if I don't get them sponsored. So yeah, it, it, we definitely talk about it. We used to talk about it a lot more earlier, but now we just talk about it in terms of, hey, what do you think of this outfit versus that outfit? I feel like in a lot of ways, my dad, who was a tough dad when I was growing up, him and I have become more friends as he's grown up because of this. So tell us a little bit more about some of your interests, right? You have a strong interest in cybersecurity. You have a strong interest in men's fashion, but you also frequent the coffee shops. And I love the taste of coffee. I, I think a lot of people do, and they love the benefit of coffee. But where does coffee fit into 
this trifecta of cybersecurity, fashion, and coffee? <laughs> That's a great question, man. It's funny, as we're going through this interview, we're going through different stages of my life as well. Um, so, um, it's almost like me looking back at my history. So uh, once I started dressing up well, at that point, I had started working for a consulting company. And it's one of those ones where, to your point earlier about being creative and like, why is it just a norm that I should only be a security architect? Why can't I know the other side? And I started discovering the sales side of things as well. That was mind-blowing for me. I appreciate the fact that it's great for me to have a strong opinion about a language, a programming language, but at the end of the day, it doesn't pay, right? It doesn't pay until someone buys that software from you. So I may be the best Java software developer out there, but if no one buys the product, that doesn't mean anything. And that comes with sales. And as I was trying to explore what else I could be doing, because I've always felt that there's always something missing. My wife likes to say this the right way. Every time I would tell her this is my goal for this year, I would always achieve my goal in a matter of a few months. And I've, before you know it, the goalpost has already moved to the next level. And mm-hmm. she's like, I thought that was your goal. I'm like, no, but like now I just achieved it. It was funny. The goal for me this quarter was supposed to be, I think we were going to hit 25K downloads in our first year or something. This was, but we reached 25K already for the Cloud Security Podcast. Now I'm like, what's the next goal? I can't be like, oh, well, I was achieved 25K. I don't have to worry about this. So I shouldn't try and put out any more episodes out there. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's one of those ones. And I definitely feel as I was going through that exercise in my mind, uh, kind of moved my outfit from just being a regular programmer outlook from a hoodie and a jeans to suits and started embracing my own interest in men's fashion a lot more. And a lot more people started reaching out. And funny enough, there were sales folks who were reaching out because they are usually dress up well. And they started reaching out, hey, man, you look, kind of look like us, but you don't sound like us. Like you're more technical. You know how to talk to an executive. Like you're so different. And you're not after the target. And that got me curious. I'm like, why do these people think I'm good in sales? Or why do these people think that I'm like a sales guy? So I started doing coffees with these people because that's what they said. That's what you're supposed to do. You just hang out, have coffee. And staying in Melbourne also has that disadvantage because we have such good variety of coffee. Coffee is just like the norm. If you, when, when you guys come here, I would love to take you guys out. But for the moment, the way I can describe it is, I guess every place you go, and there are at least four or five different varieties of coffee. And we're on the third wave of coffee. I did not even know that was the thing, but apparently coffee goes through waves and we are on a third wave of coffee. It's a cultural thing in Melbourne just because you have great coffee and it's completely normal for people. Just Every time you say to someone, hey, I would love to learn something about how about we go for a 30-minute coffee? And that's kind of where I kind of started having a lot more coffee. And when COVID hit, I totally missed out on my coffee because I was just literally having making it a mission to meet as many people as I can. I just love talking to people and knowing their history, kind of like what you guys do, where it's almost the origin story of folks and what got them where they are. And as I definitely go through this, I'm like, yeah, that's how I started doing sales. I started making introductions, started helping startups. And yeah, it's kind of like that's where the coffee kind of merged in and it became part of me. And now it's part of the whole virtual coffee with Ashish now. I love that you're a part of our mastermind. One of the things that I love about you is that you're constantly pushing the envelope. You're constantly setting those goals like you talked about. You achieve them, but then you say, what's next? How can I do more? What's better than this goal? What's better than that goal? And 
when you have that mindset, much like Ron and myself, when you have that mindset, you run into all types of obstacles. There are things that if anyone else were in your same position, they might give up. Can you give us a story of, of one really tough obstacle, whether it's through fashion, whether it's through your podcast, whether it's through cybersecurity that you had to overcome? And what was that story? I was let go of from a job. And I think it was really interesting. You know, it's it's great to wear suits and it's great to wear, but it definitely hits you in the face when someone lets you go. And that was the moment I'm like, oh my God. I don't know how to explain it. For for me, for someone who may have been let go from a job, they would probably realize, I guess, exactly the emotion I'm talking about. But my first reaction at that point was initially I was definitely taken back for a second. And I remember this moment from a movie where they said, Take the whole minute, absorb it all in, what this means, and then talk about what's next and how am I moving forward. And funny enough, it's probably not a great story, but for me, it's something that has changed my life where after I got rid of that job, I made a mission for myself to help others not be in that same situation where they are disposable by a company no matter what the circumstance. And by, by the way, I don't have any hate for the company that let go of me, especially because now I'm an investor there. So I don't really have any hate for them. I definitely want them to do well. But <laughs> I definitely feel I didn't want others to experience this. I wanted to give the gift of, like someone gave me a gift of being able to earn money for my family, bring food on the table. I don't know how to explain this. It's, it's one of those ones where you can teach someone to fish or you can fish for them. But teaching someone to fish by getting them a job means that person is going to go out there and make a life for themselves, go out, do great things for their family that their family would be proud of, but they're just looking for that opportunity. That's when I started my Patreon page and started Cloud Security Academy because I'm like, this is a great field. It's just quite a low bar for people to get into cloud security right now if they want to before it becomes so, so common that everyone's doing cloud security. I made it a mission for myself that I'm not going to let this be something that stops me. So I picked myself up after I was let go of, I became an investor in that company. I'm pretty sure they were surprised, like, wow, this guy is like turned around and this guy is actually investing in this company. Like, I think there is a future here and I want to invest in this. And we did that. And I started my second investment with Cloud Security Podcast and Cloud Security Academy as well, where I started doing... More, more of these things. Yeah, I started more talking more about how do I help other people get jobs into cybersecurity. These days, I even help Black Cybersecurity Association, BCA. They, If you guys are on Clubhouse, uh, you'll find me with my first name, last name, but they run sessions every week where they're helping answer the questions for African-American folks and people of color, how to get into cybersecurity, what, what's it like, what are the challenges like, and uh, the people behind the mission are pretty amazing as well. I definitely would give them a shout out here. I mean, I guess my mission was to help everyone around the world. That's my mission. That's what drives me. And that came out of that one moment in my life. So yeah, that was the obstacle at the same time. I'm still working towards making it a success, I guess. But it's been good, man. I think I've had 50 students go through that Cloud Security Academy. And I've helped, from what I understand, about 1,000 people already with some great advice, out of which I believe I've had 10 people get a job as well. So I'm not saying I did the interview for them, but from what they said, the guidance was helpful for them to get jobs. So yeah, man, I think that was the obstacle that has changed my life. That's a tremendous story. And that's very heartwarming too, just to hear about all the things that you have going on. For me, I always say that I'm a son of cybersecurity. Cybersecurity has been almost like a parent to me. It's brought me stability. It's taught me the right. It's taught me the wrong. And it's also 
provided me with the financial freedom to become the person I want to become without feeling financial stress along the way. Like, like that story you were saying about getting let go and uncertainty there. But you have so much going on now. You have the podcast, you're doing the Cloud Security Academy, you're providing mentorship. What are you looking forward to next out of Ashish leveling up constantly? Ooh, I'll tell you this, and I don't think I've spoken about this publicly, but for me, it would be free education for people to get into cybersecurity. And I think the reason I say cybersecurity is because that's what I know primarily. I feel men's fashion is just who I am under the skin as a person. I just like good things. But something that, turning into my dad there a bit, but something I know that would help others live the same dream of dressing up well if they want to and get paid well if they want to, I feel that would be... I started this thing where I want to be have like, I don't know if you guys have heard of a company called Lambda School, but the intent is to kind of make Cloud Security Academy that where someone who cannot afford a course, I can give them a free course and enough information that they can get that next job. And they only pay for the course if they find a job. If they don't find a job, they never pay me. That would be my ultimate goal if I can do that. And I think what you're touching on is legacy. When people think of legacy or people that are looking for legacy, sometimes they get this misconceived notion that it's something about ego. But in fact, when I think about legacy, I think about the people that we touch. You talk about giving free education to people. Ultimately, when all is said and done for Ashish, what do you feel like your legacy is going to be for this world? I think my legacy would be, it's the seeds that I plant by helping people get a job. I think the legacy would be what great things those people achieve. And if they do remember me, they don't remember me, that's, that's completely fine with me. But I think that to me is going to be a true legacy where I have helped enough people that when I look back, at least, <laughs> it's funny, I heard someone say this once and I agree with them. It's almost like I want to make sure I'm a bit selfish as well. I want my, when I do pass away, I do want my funeral room to be so full that there is, they have to live stream it. So, <laughs> so that's my end goal. That would be my legacy. If I can achieve that, that would be awesome. That's incredible. There's someone listening to this podcast right now that feels like they got to fit in a mold. They have to look like someone else. They have to speak like someone else. They have to be someone else. What is that piece of advice that you would have for that person to be able to step out into themselves and step out in their personal strength? That's really awesome, man. I think I'll probably say two things. One is to reach out to someone that you want to be like. If you want to be like The Rock, maybe he might be too busy, but probably find the right next best thing, I guess, if that's what you want to do. That's what I did as well. Although I do must say that when I reached out to people, no one responded because uh, it's different when you're back in, say, 2008, 2009, trying to reach out to people on the internet and they're thinking this guy's a scammer or a spammer. So it's a lot different now. So I definitely would encourage most people to kind of DM folks and not be creepy, I guess. We have this notorious audience as well, which sometimes becomes a bit creepy, especially to the opposite sex. So without being creepy, be respectful. And if you reach out to people, I'm sure 90% of the people would help you out. And the reason I say reach out and get a mentor is because you'll be surprised how many years you save every time you get one piece of advice from a mentor. And don't just have one, have a few, have one for everything, one for cybersecurity, one for men's fashion, one for fitness, one for everything. Because, I mean, it's very hard to find someone like 
you because you're just so unique. Everyone's unique. I totally believe like I think everyone's unique. So try and find a mentor in a space that you like and try and reach out to them and see if you can find out what made them or how what helped them reach there. The second thing I would say is just start. I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee and Grant Cardone. These people are a lot older than I am, but what they've done has opened up this huge world of making yourself like a media house. Now, today, if you know it, or if you don't believe it, tomorrow you would soon realize that we would be asked by companies eventually to start posting articles on LinkedIn, start posting blogs, because that's good for the company profile. Every company has already started thinking of this as that this, this is the future where all of our employees need to be online and they would have to make blog articles or do videos. It's not there yet, but it's going to happen. So if you can start in that space now, so you are not judged, because when it does become normal, people would start judging, hey, you don't, you're not as great as Chris and Ron over here. You probably should uh, do something better than what Chris and Ron is doing. And then you have this extra pressure of being more creative. Whereas, I, I mean, I, I don't want to call it out for Chris, you and Ron, but I feel like we don't have that prejudice at the moment because there's not that many people who are doing the kind of things that all three of us are doing. So we kind of get away with making mistakes and like no one ever finds out about it. I guess people do, but I mean, I guess maybe just put this way. No one finds out about it, but we know about it. And it becomes stories that we talk about offline. So I'll just say, just try it. Just put yourself out there, whether it's if you like doing blogs, write blogs. If you like doing videos, write videos, just watch videos make audio clips like what we are doing over here. So I'll definitely recommend if you want a successful future, no matter what the field, you would have to be a media person. You would have to look at yourself as a media person because nowadays, how many people actually switch on television? Like the new celebrities are struggling. They're trying to go into social media because they know if they have a following there, that same following would come to them in, on television. Sorry, that was a long-winded answer, but I definitely feel those two have been the foundation that has set me for success. And I believe at least with the way the future is going, that would help them have success as well. Ashish, I think you just delivered a masterclass on being yourself and also seeing the value in that. Thank you so much for hopping on the mics with us today. It's an honor to speak with you. For the folks out there that want to stay up to date with you and all the incredible things that you have going on, what are the best ways that people can do that? Sure. I'm Ashish Trajan on A-S-H-I-S-H-R-A-J-A-N on most of the platforms. If you don't find that, then you probably have me as Hashish, <laughs> just because someone else had taken the Ashish Trajan. <laughs> uh, so it's Hashish Trajan. Uh, it's most platforms. But if you just got a website where I just put everything in, but I definitely encourage you guys, if you have some interest in cloud security and you're looking for whether it's what executives think about cloud security, then definitely check out cloud security podcast. Even if you're an engineer, I cover topics like that as well. And it'll mean a lot. If it adds value to you guys, feel free to send me a message that some episode was valuable. And it means a lot. It definitely adds to my mission that I'm doing the right thing. So yeah, that's pretty much what I want to say. Thanks so much for having me, Ron and Chris. Yes, please check out Ashish. If you have any issues with finding him and his Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever the case is, we'll be sure to link it into the show notes below. And we'll see everyone next time. If you enjoy our content, it would mean so much to us if you shared this episode on social media, told a friend, or wrote us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform. 